You're listening to Speak Loud, resilient stories of triumph and hope, helping you to turn your past into fuel for your best future. Here's your host, founder of the 501c3 Share, providing resource and support for trauma victims, and a survivor herself, Tiffany Barnes. I'm telling you, Tiff, your hair has not been purple this whole time. It has. I dyed it January before COVID. And you and I didn't start working until during COVID. Yeah. How's that pop? I don't... Purple, I, I purple can't hair help is you don't not notice hair color. It's facts. <laughs> purple hair is not something you're just like, oh, that's a normal thing. And I, you were here for the other episode we did together, and I don't recall it being purple. Well, I don't know what you were staring at, but my Maybe hair just was your, your, your big old brown eyes. They just sucked me <laughs> my in. My eyes I aren't could... even brown. My eyes are green. Well, from the shadowy this brown. <laughs> you can't even tell eyes looking Dude, across from you. I have zero game here. Check it out. Oh, my <laughs> like Your hair gosh. wasn't purple and your eyes are brown. You're nope, like, oh, yeah. Nope, my neither. girlfriend got kidnapped. She had... No, I'm just kidding. You're like you... trying to do a description Descri- of her. Yeah, describe her. She was <laughs> driving a black eyes. Civic. Nope. <laughs> it was a white BMW. All right. Yeah, this is your have. show. I don't want to. I'm not going to, you know, you, you got to. You're the one that takes over here. We just started. it. Yeah. Fun. Well, what are we speaking loud about? I mean, the biggest thing. This is episode 50. No, it should be like a crowd goes wild. Yeah. Episode 50. Thank you for letting me be your 50th guest. I, I seriously didn't know if I was going to make it to 50. You don't look 50. <laughs> I know. That's what it oh, sounded like. Oh, episode 50. Yes. Badoomch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what else you got on that bad boy? Uh, I got some, you don't need to, well, some of it is inappropriate for okay. your guests. It's got some vulgarity on it, so. I thought that my this other episodes fun, would go down the tube. That's the Price is Right Yeah, sound. I know. Okay. When you lose. But no, didn't you have a toilet one? I did, yes. Yeah, uh, nope, that's not. Nope. There it is. There it is, yeah. <laughs> No, um, yeah, fun, I just kind of... Fun for the listeners here. They're like, can you do the interview, please? I just started it because I wanted to speak loud about abuse, right? Yes. That we talked about this on whatever episode it was we yeah, did you, last. You, I, I became involved as your producer around episode, what was it, eight? Yeah, about and eight. We remixed all of the, the old ones that had been old, the, the leather seven, and then... Yeah, like you, you have your foundation. Mm-hmm. The uh, what's it called again? Share. Share. That's right. What's the acronym for share? Sharing hope for the abused through resilience and empowerment. I love it. Yes. So you have your foundation, and I just remember being like, "Wow, this is a really." I'll just be real. This is a heavy topic to like mm-hmm. embody and to like take the charge with. And I was really impressed. I'm like, dude, Tiffany's got it going on. She's doing. She's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> And here we are, episode fifty. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we had discussed, you know, it's it's good. Uh, there's there's a good chance to kind of widen the apron a little bit, you know. Yes. Not just be only trauma victims, but you could talk about other things that need some amplification. Well, maybe I should just be real and talk about the actual conversation we had. Okay, do it. I mean, it's pretty vulnerable, but not that I don't love talking about the topic of abuse because I am very passionate about it but I just started to get a little not disenchanted less passionate we'll say less meaning like as your friend I saw you were burning out yeah I was burning out that's exactly what was happening and so I stopped recording as much because I was you know pumping out four or five episodes a weekend sometimes and then you're like yo where's the episodes and I'm like I'm just taking a little break I've been really busy and so I think I just kind of had to like woosaw, if you will, for a minute and step back and be like, okay, what is speak loud? And I kept having something in the back of my mind saying, well, speak loud is about speaking loud. What do you want to speak loud about? Right. And I want to speak loud about abuse, but there's other topics that I'm passionate about too, you know? And so I thought, what if I have people come on that just want to share their side of what they want to speak loud about? Yeah, we talked about just, it, it, I think that the, the genesis of where this is going, one of the major seeds for it was mm-hmm. a conversation, I don't want to take credit for this by any means, but it was a conversation that you and I had about the other side of a conversation that oh, you had had yeah. people reach out. They were like, yo, I'm the dude they're talking about and that ain't how it went down. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. And it just kind of broadened, broadened out the, the perspective of like, well, what are we really talking about here? Because abuse is 
again, it's it's so nuanced and we have to be so careful about it to honor, you know, the experience of the abuse, but it is a contextual thing. If we yeah. I mean if we're being real, like so when somebody's abused it sucks and there's pain and there's victimhood and there's things that go there, but there is another side of it Mm -hmm. and not to excuse the abuse by any means, but understanding that can help you to in your own life, avoid being the abuser because you can see the tells of what is leading you down a path that could allow you to, in in a moment's notice, do something that you never thought you would do before. And the next thing you know, you're, being talked about on a podcast that Tiffany Barnes is hosting. You know? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like um, being, I don't know, there's so much good that can become from like focusing on the triumph now. Like we've, we've talked a lot about, or you talked a lot about the, you know, the different things that people have gone through and, and that'll continue to be a theme. I'm sure just because of the nature of your profit or right. your nonprofit and everything, but we can talk about other stuff too that yep. emboldens and enlightens and builds. Yeah, I've had a lot more esoteric people coming my way, if you know what I mean. Like, more like spiritual healers. Yeah, you said, yeah, there's like a shaman that was interested yeah. in coming on. Yeah, I had a guy from Portugal on. That was Scott Clover. Yep. I always want to say Glover, but Clover. Okay. I don't know why I want to give him the last, a different name. Anyhow, that was kind of the start where things started to pivot. And it was like other people of that type of, you know the esoteric stuff right. was coming my way. Um, I've got one coming out after this one, Corby Mitlide. Yep. And she's also kind of like since the seventies, she's been pr- practicing, you know, psychic stuff and, you know, stuff that I would never thought I was going to talk about. Like tarot readings. Yeah. And like tarot that. readings, but I'm into it. You know, yeah. the last five years I've gotten really into some woo woo stuff. I love the woo woo. Yeah, and I and I love like I can just like eat it up. So then I'm like finding my fire again, right? That passion. Like, okay, well, why don't I pivot a little bit? And not that we don't want to hear stories from others, but like you say, it's kind of heavy. Well, it opens up more opportunity for actual stories. Like, it doesn't have to be in this narrow lane, because oftentimes, I mean, let's let's be honest. Sometimes, and I can say this from personal experience. Sometimes, some woo woo stuff was was just a flash of awareness that put you down a different path that actually caused healing. So right. that's of course needs to be a part of the conversation that, that actual healing and, and coming to terms with what your experiences have been and what's happened to you. It's kind of part of the whole thing and it's not black or white. Like there's a lot of what might be considered odd to some things that are actually work that work. Right. I see a lot of people too, specifically I can just speak for myself is Western medicine didn't do it for me for the healing. And so that's yeah. why five to seven minutes, five to seven minutes, five to seven years ago, <laughs> five to seven years ago, I was kind of like, ah, oh, let me get into this meditation. Let me sit with my thoughts. And then from meditation, it, it kind of went into some other things and then it grew and it grew and it grew to the point that I was doing past life regressions. We talked about this I yeah. think, on the last one. And so, um, yeah, I just think that people who've been through trauma, counseling can work. It can for some. I've been through several dozens of counselors. Right. But what I found really hit the spot for me to really help me grow and heal was the more esoteric modalities. I like it. And I think a lot of people resonate with that. <laughs> like we've got the rapid eye movement stuff, right? That's right. one thing. Or like EFT, the tapping stuff. Yeah. Spiritual stuff. Stuff like that people plant might medicine say is journeys. Bogus. Yeah. Tarot. <laughs> this is kind of funny, but why not bring it up? I don't know how, like on TikTok, I got wound down the rabbit hole of TikTok tarot. Like there's like all these tarot readers that are on there. Really? And they'll do this stuff. It's like, this is coming from your guides and your highest power. So if you <laughs> stumbled upon this, it's because you meant to hear it. And then they'll say some of the craziest shit I've ever heard, which is spot on. And I'm like, uh, either that Chinese tech really knows my life and they put this exactly here because yeah. it's what I need here. There's something to this stuff. Probably both. It's probably a little both. Maybe the Chinese tech is just tarot. There's like just some shaman healers behind the app (laughs) development team that are like, could be. What's next? Well, have we talked about ayahuasca before on here? It doesn't matter. It was a long time ago. Let's talk about it again. I don't know if we have. Like ayahuasca is something that I'm being called to right now. I'm scared. It's a little scary. But for like two or three years, I've been researching it. I've watched every documentary, every article I can get my hands on. I love it. Because it helps heal your inner child, they say. No, 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 no. You're going to go to Peru. It's illegal here, but whatever. Things can be illegal here and still be fine. But 
I want to go to like the jungles of Peru. It was an actual experienced shaman. Okay. I mean, you shit yourself, you puke, you like. Yeah, they don't hold purge. back on your dosage there. No. But I have seen several documentaries where people come out. I mean, just for an example, people who are addicts, like have an addiction to pills. And you'll see them being interviewed when they first are like, yeah, I think I might want to do this ayahuasca. And then they've got to be clean for three days before yeah. they can do the substance. And it's real. it just comes from nature. It's a vine and a root that's combined and makes this ayahuasca. Anyways. Um, well, I've heard that it can legit remove your addiction to opiates. Yeah, it it whatever however it works, it works different for everybody, right? They call it mother A comes to visit right. you and you have these different experiences, but my point is when they've come out to see who they are, like you can see the whites of their eyes and like yeah. they just look like a, a weight has been lifted off their shoulders. Like you can just see physically they have transformed emotionally, yeah. if that makes sense. Have you done any uh, psychedelics like magic mushrooms or LSD? No, or I have mushrooms at my house and I've never taken them. I've had a friend give them to me saying, you should start here. Really? Yeah. And I'm, I don't know. How, I know I'm just kind of scared, I guess, because there is still a lot in my brain that I know is not processed. I think, I think that it would do you well to trip on shrooms before you do ayahuasca. Really? Yeah. Just like by myself at no, my no, 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 no. You got to have, you got to have a trip sitter, like a sober person that's there with you. Okay. And it needs to be in an environment that is familiar to you. That yeah. It doesn't have a lot of people in it. And the people that are there can only be people that you're really cool with. Mm-hmm. You get, so several years ago, I tried uh, mushrooms for the first time as an adult. When I was a kid, I dropped acid twice and it was stupid and kind of crazy. But I, I, my entire adult life, I'd never been into psychedelics at all. Never done DMT, never done. I mean, marijuana is about as close to a psychoactive drug as I'd ever gotten, as I'd ever uh, consumed. And my buddy, he, he says, I got, I got some shrooms, we should try it. And so we ended up... Um, doing it here in my home and kids are away my wife was our trip sitter my friend was here so him and i were the only ones tripping amy was here house was spotless it was a summer day so like we had the back deck all cleaned up and you know whatever to overlook the sunset and everything and uh i didn't take what they call a heroic dose but i took a pretty strong dose i took about four grams and so i i was i hallucinated pretty substantially but not like to where it was that overly consuming hallucination where you feel like you're in this other world like it was more just like a like an artsy filter that you would see on instagram like really? things were brighter and, and things and there were certain times where like my hallucinations i called it like a buy-in so like when i would stare at my wood floor if i just glanced at it and looked away it wouldn't move but if i let it sit there and stare then the gray they'd start to move and kind of shift and same oh, with other things yeah and uh there was a couple of really intense experiences that I had in that first trip where one of them was I see my friend sitting at the island in my kitchen and I'm on the other side and I'm just kind of leaning up against the um, thing. Oh, another thing, have your phone locked away. Do not have oh, access yeah, to imagine. technology or anything yeah. or, or Facebook or anything. Cause like when you experience things emotionally, it's way different when you're under the influence of those. I'll call them medicine. Like it's, it's a medicine. Um, there's been science that shows that, you know, psilocybin, which is the major psychoactive compound in magic mushrooms actually can heal traumatized brain tissue. So like if you have PTSD, it can actually help your brain to like reheal a bruised part of your brain, which is what PTSD and depression and all these like different chemical imbalances that people have there from your brain, not moving chemicals around well enough. Anyhow. So, um, I'm seeing my friend and I'm, I'm, and this is going to sound crazy, but I'm, I'm reading his, I'm hearing his thoughts. Like I'm hearing him mad at me. He's going over in his mind this dialogue that he had about some event, this this disagreement we'd had years ago that he'd been holding on to. And he's just sitting there. He's not saying anything. And I just go, bro, why are you still hanging on to that? What's up? And he goes, like wide-eyed looking. He's like, what are you, how Hello. do you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just did. And we talked about it and we're able to come to terms with it. Then another, um, and I don't recommend this, but somebody that I was working with closely as a coaching client came to my house while I'm, I'm, I'm on the come down at this point, but I'm still under the influence of the medicine. And he's like, Hey man, I just need to talk to you. I'm like, okay. 
and for whatever reason i didn't push him off because I, I thought like you know I, I could handle this he's you know whatever and he's not the type of person that would judge me anyway and i didn't tell him i was tripping and he pours out his heart to me we're standing in my driveway and i felt so distinctly connected to what he was saying that i was able to give him the most surgically specific advice that he needed and he just was he acted like it was coming straight from god he's like that is exactly perfect what i needed to hear I need to do this. And I'm like, wow, cool. And then I had this other experience. And the third one was the one that really kind of set things for me in a a great way about this stuff. And I I respect it differently. Like, I don't think it's, I don't, I would never use acid or ayahuasca or shrooms recreationally. Right. You have to come with that calling to you. You've got to feel like it's being, you're being pulled to it. And if you're not being pulled to it, stay away. Like, don't do it. I'm on my back deck and it's that period of time at night where it's dusk, where the sunset is gorgeous and orange and it's blowing, you know, it's showing all these randomly beautiful colors in the spectrum and there's clouds in the sky and I'm looking up at the clouds in the sky and there's a part of the sky where this cloud is for whatever reason that's changing from blue to that indigo. It's not dark sky yet, but like there's a change to where you can see the shade, the gradient of the, of the sky changing color, right? And this part where it's indigo, I start to see these clouds form this really horribly looking, horribly scary looking demon. Oh my gosh. Like these red fiery eyes and these teeth and this majestic sort of like wings, right? And I'm staring up at this hallucination in the sky that's coming from these clouds and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh shit. And I start to like, it starts to go into my psyche and these part of me where I'm like, what, what's going on here? What does this mean? Is this the devil? Like I'm, I'm freaking out, right? And I had this weird sort of like internal voice say to me the words, appreciate the beauty of evil. How fucking random is that? Yeah. Appreciate the beauty of evil. And on top of that, like that doesn't sound like a rabbit hole I want to go down. Like the beauty <laughs> of evil, what am I doing? So I'm like, okay, because I'm looking at this thing feeling like it's an evil force. And then I'm like, okay, so those eyes are really beautiful. And like the way this, like I start just to notice the details of this horrifically like scary creature. And the moment that I notice the details, it shifts like shape shifting in front of me into this gorgeous amber maned lion with these yellow eyes and this powerful nose and like just these teeth. And it's just like this gorgeous creature. And it happened legitimately right as I stopped giving power into the evil. Mm. And, uh, I was like, whoa, whoa. And then I sober up. And then, you know, the next day when it was still fresh, I journaled about it. And then I got an ounce of mushrooms and I did that every two weeks for six months where I would do it. And then I would journal and do it in journal. I never went public with it at the time. It's still, still my journal. I I was going to, I was going to have that be a part of the whole podcast thing and everything, but I just was in a different spot when it came to certain aspects of life. I'm like, there's certain people I don't want to have know so publicly about that. And now I just don't give a shit, but um, it was crazy. And I, I remember going down that road about, you know, finding the beauty and the evil. And it wasn't specifically the admonition to find evil beauty. It was more to control my perspective on what I see as evil mm-hmm. and to realize that like the appearance of that wasn't evil at all. It was my interpretation of the appearance. And so I've taken that into my life where like all of a sudden, and this is how I, why I call it a medicine is that it changed my perspective to where now anytime I see something that's questionable, or I hear of somebody doing something that was wrong or could be deemed evil. I don't anymore ever cast judgment right away. I go, well, that's okay. And I want to know more. I want to know the surrounding context of that. I want to know something because I, I learned this really powerful truth that, and this applies even to the old episodes of Speak Loud and where you're going with the new stuff, is that when, when people do something that could be considered a self-sabotage. That action that they're doing isn't actually the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. Mm-hmm. But we use those actions. Let's say it's you know drinking or people have addictions to pornography or sex or food or whatever. And we say, well, if I was only not addicted to food or to sex or to whatever, instead of looking at it, I was like, well, why am I? What in my core needs is not being met that has that as my coping mechanism? And so when I see people's behavior act out in ways which could be deemed really irresponsible or dangerous or, you know, hurtful, even I see it differently. And it spawned off of that experience where I'm like, you know, I got to find the beauty in this. And it's it's allowed me to be very a lot more just understanding of the plight people go through and 
life and sometimes you get kicked while you're down and sometimes you needed to get kicked while you're down because you were the one inviting the boot by being an idiot and and looking at our actions more as symptoms instead of the problems so if we're addicted to booze if we're alcoholics why why are we why are we turning to alcohol there's obviously like i don't i don't believe full wholeheartedly in the idea that like alcohol is the addiction and it has this controlling thing over you i think that you give it control in some way because there's something that it does for you mm-hmm. and that's that's across the board something right and so just being but it takes a certain level of self-awareness i've also said this if you know obviously i'm not endorsing or encouraging anybody to go do plant-based journeys unless it's what they want to do and they're ready for it i will say this if you're lying to yourself on any level it will come out in those experiences because your subconscious and your conscious mind kind of blur and your subconscious like no 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 we we know the truth about this you fucking liar like you can't lie to me right now and your conscious like i don't know what to do and that's when people have a bad trip yeah and they freak out it's because they're having these two opposing lies two opposing perspectives one's a lie and one's the reality try to like jockey for what's real and the subconscious always wins it's got way too much firepower for it to lose how long did you do the mushrooms you said every two weeks how long about six months. Oh, you said six months. So it was yeah. about every, like twice a month for yeah. six months. Yeah, I've had people tell me that. And I realized, though, the reason why I stopped is I realized that there came a point where I was not getting, like, the healing effect that the psilocybin has in your brain isn't, it doesn't happen right away. Yeah. You have these experiences when you're under the influence of that, but it lingers in your system, and the lingering is what causes the, the healing. And I realized that doing it that much for six months, it was basically 10 to 12 times, whatever it was. Um, it was too much. I haven't done it since then. It's been three, four years since I've done that. See, I would be afraid of the the scary trip. That's what it is for me. Because I know I've got stuff buried in me that, yeah, it, it's not going to be The scary pretty. trip always comes with an invite where you don't have to accept it, though. Really? Well, with shrooms. With ayahuasca, I, I, I've heard so many other different things about ayahuasca that, like, you're in it, man you're just you're roped to that tree and whatever's coming to you is coming because you can't get away from it and it's such a strong sort of compound that's in that root that is based in you know it's based in psilocybin it's based in dimethyltryptamine which is dmt Mm -hmm. it's a completely hallucinogenic experience but it also is healing the purge that they talk about when you shit and puke yourself is uh there's all these theories about it but it's it's supposedly like almost a form of autophagy if you've ever done like fasting for more than like two or three days, your cells go through this period where they're like, we have, we don't have what we need. We have water, but we don't have everything else. So we need to get rid of all the waste. And so like all the crappy cells purge them. And that's where you have like these extreme amounts of weight loss over like a day two to three when you do fasting and you get a lot of energy on that time as well, where like you just feel really alive and wired because your body's burning off all this old crap right and with the way that the ayahuasca works i've heard that that's that times 10 and that's why your body's like time to shit yeah i've I've heard that or the symbolism of you're just like getting rid of it out of your body right well yeah the symbolism is is, is a part of it too yeah obviously there's there's that but trauma that's another thing that the people have talked about when it comes to ayahuasca is that trauma is legitimately stored in your body Mm-hmm. on a cellular level mm-hmm. think about the effect that that has on the idea of like changing your mindset how do you change your mindset if you're harboring all this trauma it's bonkers to me i've been reading this book and it's fantastic you should check it out it's called the mountain is you mm-hmm. i have no idea who this chick is brianna west how'd you find the book tiktok oh okay <laughs> they were reading a quote from it, i'm like wow and so i went to amazon and bought it but uh it's all about that stuff. It's about just looking at life and trauma differently, looking at abuse differently, looking at your life differently. And, and instead of demonizing your actions, look at them as a symptom. And that most people, unfortunately speaking, don't have their core needs met. And even if they are having their core needs, needs met now, if they weren't when they were younger and they were having to take care, for example, and you know, this happens to kids all the time, their parents are messed up. And so they're the ones having to take care of the parents instead of the parents taking care of the kids. So the kids aren't in a position to, they're having to do something they were never prepared for as young children to care for their caretakers, that that puts you in a position in the future to like, almost like blockingly not being able to accept love or leadership or different things because you've just never believed it was real you always saw the ruse in it because the 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 individuals 
that were supposed to be the one people, the, the people that didn't let you down, they were your worst offenders. So like right. nobody else is going to have a chance. Yep. And uh, I don't know. It's a great book and I've been learning a lot from it, but it's, it's funny to be talking about this because I'm just kind of rambling here about this, but it just feels like it's all tied together. Like the health of your mind, the health of your body, the way you look at life, tapping into those things through plant-based journeys and medicines is, is huge. I love that it's happening. We have a, an enlightened plant. I also love in, in this last year, if, if <laughs> regardless of where you stand politically, if you can't see that traditional medicine is pretty fucked up and there's an agenda and money behind everything and not actual health, I don't, I got nothing for you, but yeah. seeing like these alternative medicines be proven to be real. I love it. I love it because it's about focusing on health and not the symptom. Like that's the thing that bugs me so much about medicine nowadays. You, they focus on the symptom. Well, what causes the symptom? Right. You're, you have high blood pressure. Take this high blood pressure medication. Well, why do I have high blood pressure? What is causing the hypertension that makes my blood pressure go? Well, we don't need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's not that you, you know, eat horrible food and don't exercise and you don't have enough water in your system. You don't sleep good. It doesn't anything. It takes a pill. The big farm gives. Yeah, and they'll make money when the more they prescribe it out. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you have anxiety? Let's give you Xanax. Right. Let's give you an antidepressant. Instead of, why are you anxious? Yeah. What is, what is causing your body to react to your life in such a way where you feel like you're on a heightened alert all the time? Like, it makes sense when you think about it, but like, that's not the system we live in. It seems like so, if COVID did anything, it's awakened a lot of people to like, well, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And it's being like forced down my, like down my system. Like I'm supposed to, no, I'm not believing this. And there's all this, I don't know. We're going to see the effect of it soon enough, but no, I agree with you. So let me ask you a question about the mountain is you. So is it just, as it says, it's about overcoming yourself and the obstacles you put on yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'm only about uh, halfway through it, but the way that it's, 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 I, I love how it's structured because it'll say, like here's an example. Um, we got to tell the author she owes us some money because Bri- now people Brianna are buy Weist, <laughs> Brianna Weist, transforming self sabotage into self mastery. Brianna Weist, but it'll have this like so you look in here and it'll say um, you know unhealthy habits mm-hmm. and it'll have a thing about it and it says how to resolve this. So it's telling you like what to do mm-hmm. or what to try. You know. Unhealthy habits. Uh, This is the most common way that people sabotage their own success by maintaining habits that are actively keeping them away from their goals. This is when someone declares that they want to be in better shape but doesn't change anything they do on a day-to-day to to facilitate it or when they want to blah, 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 right? How to resolve this. And it tells you how to address it. I love it. So what is it you're speaking loud about today? That? Yeah, I'm speaking loud, not about that, but about what are the things that I've learned and connecting into what your journey is going to be soon about shifting the way that we look at life and having it be that we see the things that we're doing as a symptom of something as opposed to the reason we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Drinking isn't the reason, it's the symptom. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I found that out in my own life. (laughs) Me too. Because remember we were talking about me doing 75 hard. Yeah. Which I still have not started. Hence, yeah, anyways, we won't go down that road. But um, so a big part of it is the drinking side of things. Yeah. Like I do drink quite often. And it's funny, you mentioned, you're sitting there talking. I feel like I'm in a sermon where the preacher's talking to you <laughs> as you're talking. You're on tarot TikTok as yeah, well. Yeah, there we it's go. With me. So I'm just like, yeah, why do I drink so much? Because I don't know. What am I running from? You know? What am I hiding? Well, okay. I'm an alcoholic and I get blazed every single day or whatever. I guess blazed isn't the word. Intoxicated every single day. Lit. Lit. Um, but I do like every day I'll pour myself a drink, you know, before yeah. dinner. But why? Why do I do that? Well, do you find it to be destructive? No, because okay. I don't get drunk. I just do it because I'm like, okay, I take the edge off. So do you make, does it day. make you feel better? Yeah, it makes me feel more relaxed. Okay. So. So if you feel like your life is one that you need to be relaxed from, what is it that you're doing that's the that's question. causing you too much stress? That is the question. It's, it's people pleasing, which is what we're going to hear about on number episode 51. Okay. Yeah. With that's Tony a self-sabotage uh, symptom mm-hmm. is when you're always a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. It's, I've been dealing with it my whole life. And I need to remedy it because, yeah, it is self-sabotage for sure. It's an interesting thing when we come to terms with that because I'm the same way. Like, and we see where it bleeds. 
Mm-hmm. Being a people pleaser bleeds into needing approval of people. Mm-hmm. Even people that don't like you or that you don't like. Like the approval of strangers that you would give two shits about. Yeah. I need them to like me. Right. Well, why? Because your parents thought you were a piece of shit. That's why. Yeah. You grow up here. Which the that. reality is your parents were the piece of shit and they just didn't know how to yeah. handle having the gem of a child, you know? And dude, as a parent, I look at my own children and I'm like, oh man, I could have done so much better for you. And I'm trying to like be as good as possible now and to like, you know, realize where I wasn't aware. Kind of make up for it a bit. Try, yeah. I mean, you can't really ever make up something, but you can definitely do it way better and hope that the residual of that will overcome the effect of what you're doing before. Yeah. But there's also a, you know, there's also the flip side of it too, where it's like, you know, I, I've had some health challenges in my life and looking back on them, I wouldn't change it. I realized that they put me in a position to be forced to feel certain things and to see certain things differently that laid the groundwork for me to be who I am today. I love who I am today. I wouldn't, I don't want to change that. So I look back lovingly with my parents and realize, yeah, they were idiots, but who else were they going to be? Yeah. (laughs) That's who they were. So, and I just hope that my kids have the same sort of, you know, if I, I hope that I can instill in my children the same sort of willingness to forgive my mistakes, realizing that they will play a part in their development in some way. And as long as they take accountability for the life that they want to live, that they'll find some sort of meaning and purpose. It'll be a part of who, a part of the greatness of what they end up becoming. That's beautiful. I mean, we are a product of our environment, so... Yeah. It's funny you say the symptom thing. Not funny, but I was listening to a podcast this morning about how you can vibrationally or you can yeah, vibrationally take on what your grandparents went through, your parent you know, yeah. even in the womb, vibrationally you're taking all of that on. So if your mom, let's say for an example, had masculinity issues, you know, with the masculine then you could take that on without even knowing it just being born because while you were in the womb those things were taking place and vibrationally you were kind of like it was being instilled in you I guess is the best way to put it yeah which seems very woo woo but I could see how it makes sense you oh, know it absolutely makes sense I mean think about um, well I'll speak from personal experience here so my oldest daughter she's 18 now uh, her pregnancy and the time she was in the womb in her birth was surrounded by tons of love and it was a calm time in my marriage to my former spouse at the time everything was good and uh, Jane was an easy baby she was just calm and playful and she'd go to bed and sleep early and so much so that nowadays and you know she, her struggles are she's too nice now like she's just so calm almost to a fault and there's some other reasons behind that but my other daughter was my ex-wife was pregnant right in the middle of all of that Mm. when we separated. And I know just because of how my ex-wife is, she was full of rage and hate and hurt and anger and all the things that go down when you're, you know, in the middle of a divorce and it bled into the baby. And, you know, that my daughter there, even now to this day has really like, she's, she's kind of mean. And she, you know, doesn't have a lot of empathy when it comes to certain things. And so it's, uh, I know that some of those seeds were laid in the womb. Just because of how angry she was, things were when she was cooking. (laughs) Yeah, case in point though, you know? Yeah. And now look who she is. And so how old is she going to be before she realizes that's maybe why she is the way she is and then... Maybe she wants to fix it. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Well, that's the human condition, right? Like sometimes yeah. they never can realize that. Sometimes they just, you know, it's it's all outward. Mm-hmm. It's that fault. My dad's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's this fault. I'm just a big victim. Nothing yeah. can change. So true. <laughs> <laughs> As we stare off. All right. That was pretty heavy though. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, I was speaking loud. So You were speaking loud. Yes. But I want to have people on that speak loud about things like this, but also more, I don't know, like I talked about LGBTQ people coming yeah, on. I love that. Um, yeah, people who've experienced hate crimes, you know, transgender, like just anything that's like, hey, this is kind of like, I don't know, taboo, if you will. 
come on and speak loud about it. So are you using this episode as an invite to let people know? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about drugs, first of all. (laughs) We talked for 20 minutes on drugs. I mean, that's pretty taboo (laughs) when it comes to trauma, you know? But Is it though? Well, uh, maybe it's just me being raised here in Salt Lake City. Like for me to on a podcast admit like, oh, I smoke marijuana. I have a medical marijuana card and all this shit, you know? For me, I'm like, know, whoa. But you're not a Mormon or anything, so why does that I matter? know. I don't know. It's just from my background, I think. Like, I don't know. Well, let's dive into that, Tiffany. Do you feel like people would judge you for your <laughs> recreational drug use? It's not recreational. That's right. It's a medicine. It's a medicine. Yeah, I don't know. Or the ayahuasca thing. I haven't told a lot of people about that. I think because it's my profession, too. You know, real You'd estate. You'd be surprised. I feel like... Or like my tattoos. I'm always covering my tattoos. I've got a whole sleeve here. That I'm, you, have you ever seen my sleeve? I barely remembered your hair was purple. Exactly. Because so no, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I want on my body forever, and then I hide it. You know what I mean? It's so weird. Yeah. Your tattoo is cool, although I don't know what the wording is. It's because you can't read it. It's. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny that you bring that up. I got to stop using that colloquialism. It's, it's funny. funny. When, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not funny. funny. It's an entrance <laughs> into an idea. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So. When I, so after I got divorced, I got excommunicated. Well, I got excommunicated before I got divorced. And I remember like being so wrapped up in the world of the church at that time. Yeah. But yet my behavior was transitioning out of the church. So I started drinking a little bit and started doing other things on Sunday. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, how I know, dare you? Scandalous. I'd ski on Sunday. <laughs> how dare you I? You mean you bike? would go out there in God's country and enjoy it on a Sunday? Sounds like something Satan would say. Uh, <laughs> No, but I'll, I'll joke you aside. I remember going into like the liquor store to buy to buy booze. Yeah. With my head in a swivel. Like, who's going to see me in here? I was like freaking out. Like I was doing something scandalous. And I was just going into a state-sponsored liquor store as an adult with the proper identification to be able to buy the booze I wanted to buy, to drink it legally in my own home. No issues. And I wasn't, wasn't going to break the law. And I was just... Which the irony is not lost on me that that's the stupidest place to be worried about people seeing you because if they do, they're just like <laughs> yeah, you. exactly. They're just as guilty. Yeah, and I'm like, hey man, high five, we'll see you at Elder's Corner tomorrow, you know, like, <laughs> or whatever. But it's a, it's a real thing that we get kind of caught in our own biases of what we think we would be judged for. I very much am caught in that. Let it go, girl. I know, I need to. Why are you, why, why are you of all people? You're, I don't know, I can preach all day long. You're strong and resolute and you're a leader in your community and you do know. what you do. Yeah, I don't know. But then if you really like step inside my world, you'll see that I'm I have so much self-doubt. It's weird. Hmm. It's not weird. It's normal. It's definitely Well, for an example, I told you I just did that Founders video for yeah. my nonprofit. And I was like, "Okay, make sure you get from here up because I don't want my fat roll showing on the video." And he was like, "What fat roll?" First of all, right. I was like, "Oh, you can see a fat roll." Don't let my double chin. Make sure my chin's up a little bit so my double, you know. And I'm just like, "Why do I do that to myself?" Yet I have people on the show talking about how amazing they are because I truly believe it, but I don't see they it in way myself. More fat rolls than you do. I don't get it. It's so weird. <laughs> that was a bad joke. <laughs> that was pretty bad but yeah it's it's weird how we get into this cycle of of self-sabotage for sure or like i showed up here and i was like oh don't judge me i have something on my shirt you know i was eating a jimmy john's sandwich because we got them in our conference i was just in and was like scarfing it down before i came because i hadn't eaten spilled a little lettuce and i didn't even notice it you didn't even notice I wasn't but there. i noticed just like my house perfection has to It's a a disease. It really is a disease. Perfectionism is a disease, I feel like. It talks about that in that book. Does it really? Yeah. Okay, I need to read it. It talks about how perfectionism is a... uh, It's a limiter. And it's a way you self-sabotage yourself because we think that we're committed to this idea of things being perfect. Uh Uh-huh. But what it actually does is you're just hypercritical of everything around you, which allows you to stay small in how you play your life. Mm. Well, it should be better than this. I don't want, no, I don't want it. If it can be perfect, I don't want to do it. Translation, I didn't do it. Mm. We just get cutesy about it 
because we want to make ourselves seem important. So we're like, well, I'm so committed to it being excellent and perfect that I'm yeah. not going to involve myself in anything that's not excellent or perfect. Cool story, bro. That means you're not doing a lot. Nice. What about you? Well, you're willing, like I'm willing to take on risk. I'm willing to take on something new. I just want to make sure it is perfect. The way I know, but you're, but okay. So yes, but is how I look at that. Yes, you are, but in different areas where you're not actually as exposed personally. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, you're talking about, you know, your insecurities about your video and things like that. That's a very personal thing for you. Yeah. If you make it a real estate investment and you lose a bit of money, who cares? Because right. you're like, because you in your mind know, like, I know, uh, whatever. Yeah. It has a consequence, but I can deal with the consequence. You don't know how to deal with the consequence of your insecurity when it comes to your video. So it just feels more constricting. It keeps you tight. So how do you change your ayahuasca? Could be, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Your identity and how you see yourself is connected to a lot of different levels of your own personal success. Mm-hmm. One of my one of my favorite clients. I mean, obviously, besides you. Uh, <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, no, for real. You're in the you're in the list. There's there's certain clients I have where I'm like, yeah, it's ooh, it's nice. To, uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, I'll do this because it's my job. Actually, I got to be real. Most of those clients have found their way out. I only have uh, one or two left that I ever have any challenge. Everything, everybody else is just like. Because I, I've, my mantra is I attract the best people to be my clients. And you start looking at my clients list, and it's true. Like I've got some superstars that I work with, which is awesome. Having said that, um, what was the question you asked me? I got oh shit. I was defending. My, I was I was just dreaming about being a superstar, so I don't remember. Well, you, um, you are one. Oh, your identity. I was talking yeah. about your identity. Um. Shoot, I guess it wasn't meant to come You're out. You're talking right about now. your clients. You said they find their way out of your life. Yeah, yeah. That was more of just a. Um, I said, oh, I, I remember because I it was it about I was saying one of my favorite clients, you of course, and then I go yep. on a little diatribe yep, yep. about it. Okay, so my other client, a guy named John Madsen, he's kind of a local here in Salt Lake, hometown hero, if you will. He was a wide receiver on the. University of Utah football team that was coached by Urban Meyer that went to the Fiesta Bowl and was undefeated. They were the BCS busting team back in 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. And he went and played for the Raiders. And he's got a crazy story in that he never played a down of high school football, but he ended up playing pro. Like, who has that as a story, right? Right. Well, he's had some ridiculous success this past year in his business. A year ago, his, his business revenue for the month of uh, of March was 30 grand. Last month it was 270,000. Wow. And it's been a constant ramp and he credits his his growth into this really deep level mindset training that he was doing. Like Jedi level NLP, like really getting to the core of who you see yourself as to yourself. And he says that it's taken him about 60 hours of work to be able to do what he's done and hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay the people that he needed to have him come in. But it's working now because his business is, it's, he's like, dude, I'll be a 10 figure business before too long. You watch. Like he's got these crazy goals and, and he's doing it. And every place that I turn and I see people having hyper results like that in short periods of time, there's always a transformational adjustment to how they see themselves. The way that they are able to feel worthy of the success. They're able to handle it. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, anecdotally, the difference between an amateur and a pro of whatever it is, is that the amateur doesn't do the foundational things the same way that the pro does. They both attempt. So if you're an amateur and you want to get to the next level of whatever it is, and you're not doing the basics you're not going to. You're not going to be able to handle the pressure of that extra life. You have to have a stronger foundation to handle the weight of a bigger life. And that starts in how you see yourself and your ability to handle it. Because most of the time, and it, it talks about in that book too, most of the time we think we want something and we actually don't. We want, we, we've defined, for example, we think we want more money, right? What we really want is freedom. We want more time resource to be able to do what we want to do. And we equate that because of our culture to money. If I had more money, I could do this. Not understanding that how you get that money matters for the freedom. If you're having to work 80 hours a week and you're pumping out millions of dollars a year, but you have no freedom, that's not 
you're going to sabotage yourself out of that because it's not ultimately what you want. Yeah. And so understanding your, your core competencies and what you really want is key so that you can then build a life around that. But again, that takes an extreme amount of self-awareness. And when you get to that level of self-awareness, you realize how pliable your identity is. You can change it. And ayahuasca is actually a key way to do that. If you think about it, because it, it changes your chemistry. Like it changes you deeply. Yeah. That's why I want to do it. Then do it. I hope I come out of that baby like so different. I have a friend, a personal friend, who's learning to be a shaman. He moved to Brazil, just sold everything. Had Bugattis, wow. classic cars, like all the stuff that, you know, most people would say is successful or equal success. And he just sold it all. And he didn't even... What's his name? Uh, Jimmy Bluff. Okay. And he moved to Brazil, met a great gal, and now they've been doing ayahuasca over and over and over. And he's, I've just seen him change because I've known him for about 15 years. And he was going to like those landmark. Um, landmark Forum? Yeah, Landmark Forum. And he started there and then started going to counseling and some men's uh, retreats and things like that. And then he took it to the next level and started doing ayahuasca. And I can just even see watching from a distance how much he's transformed. And I think that's also part of the intrigue for me, you know, is, yeah. is kind of seeing how he's transformed. Well, I feel the same way about watching my friend and client, John, like he did it. Like, this is a guy that's close to me in my circle. I just like, this guy's close to you yeah. in your circle. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a sec. So that just makes the possibility of actual change or transformation a reality. Right. Cause you see it. Yeah. It's not just believe. some dude on a stage that you get to question. Well, is he telling the truth or whatever? Like you yeah. get to see it firsthand. I love it. Yeah. So you're going to do that deep mindset training he's done? Probably, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I've been doing pieces of it, you know, since I've been associated with him. And he's invited me into all of his groups and stuff on Facebook. And I get access to some of the cool stuff there. And it's That's awesome. We are our biggest. The, 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 the title of this book spoke to me. The mountain is you. It's so true. We are the mountain to climb. Self-awareness of who we are, what makes us tick, why we do what we do, why we don't do what we do. We are the biggest Rubik's Cube puzzle to figure out in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I find it to be especially appropriate when you consider the state of the world right now. To quote Jordan Peterson, how are you going to change the world if you don't make your bed? Like, we need to be more accountable in our own lives about being our better human. Like, if we're going to change the human race, it starts an individual at a time. Mm -hmm. It's not top down. It's individual up, you know? You take one person that, inflict, that influences somebody else to get their life in order, and then those two people become an energetic force, and they elevate other people. And the next thing you know, like, a neighborhood gets better, and then a city, and then a state. And a, like it, it, it's, it's, that's how you grow it. It's not through sweeping governmental change or forced charity through tax or any of this stuff. It's through personal accountability. But that's a harder thing for people to handle, and especially when you get into, and this is something you've known as a, this host of this podcast, when you get into deep abuse and deep trauma, the last thing somebody that's gone through some horrible shit wants to hear is that it's up to them to change their life. They want to be validated in their experience first. And they want to know that like, it's okay. So it's like, okay. that's a hard message to reach some people just because of how crappy life can be sometimes. But I don't know if I'm making any sense, but no, totally. It definitely makes sense. I think that, um, you know, we are our own worst enemy, but also it, you can't just say, Oh, it's up to you. There's resources out there or be a helping hand or listening. I've talked about that before being a listening yeah. ear or saying, Hey, maybe you might, might want to read this book, you know, little things of that nature too. So they know, like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but that they're not alone. I What's guess. What's really on your mind right now. What's going on here? What do you mean? I don't know. There's something, there's, there's something burrow in there. I can tell. Mm -mm. Yeah. Is it the purple hair? Is it the <laughs> no. Okay. No, not the purple hair. No, nothing. Um, I'm excited for the evolution of where speak loud is going to go. Just involving more stories of triumph. I mean, I love that. We need more of that. Yeah. I just feel called to it again, using that word called. I just feel like it shouldn't just be people who've been through trauma. I might lose listeners. I don't know. I don't think you will. Um, I mean, I watch the analytics. I think I've talked to you about this before as well. Yeah. And I think people get to those first five or six episodes and then they drop off and don't listen anymore. It's heavy. And it's because it's so heavy. Yeah. I think that this is what, and not to sound hyperbolic, but this is what saves this podcast. 
This podcast could go to a thousand episodes by mixing it up and having your commitment truly be to stories of triumph, regardless. We don't need to be in the, you know, the, you know, dead soil of abuse the whole time. Right. It plays a role for sure. And you'll have other people that deserve to have their stories heard on. I I know you, I know how this works, but at the same time, like there's other stuff that's going to be more awe inspiring. Right. Yeah. So if you're listening and you've got a story of triumph, hit me up. I love it. I took my downline from just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I just, yeah, it needs to go in a different direction. It's weighing, it's heavy. And I, and I'm in that room listening to those four or five stories, sometimes in six hours straight. And it, I don't know how to describe it. It, It's heavy listening to. Yeah. Imagine sometimes when you're sitting there talking about it over and over and over not that i'm not grateful i mean it sounds so like i'm like not grateful or no i I think anybody that's objective they understand that like you you have a compassionate heart and you do what you do for a reason but it it does have a toll you know Mm -hmm. yeah did we lose our momentum i don't think so okay good (laughs) we were were gone for 50 minutes here so we're uh we're good so tell me Give me some ideas of of what I should do now with these episodes. I mean, you and I have ping-ponged back and forth some ideas. Yeah, I think you should... I think you should seek... So now that we have this library of episodes of amazing people that have triumphed over really challenging, difficult things... Yeah. I think now... Because I'm willing to guess based off of your analytics, that there's a part of your listenership, like the fans of this show, that are those people. Not only have they been on the show, they listen to the show because they want to know that they're not alone and they connect with others that have gone through challenging things too. (coughs) Excuse me. That came up quick. Um, So, as far as stories of triumph, maybe there's the possibility of bringing on people that have created tools to help people triumph right that aren't just abuse related and it could be i mean you're a you know you're a real estate agent and a real estate investor yourself maybe there's something there that like maybe there's an opportunity to share a little bit behind the scenes on how that works and like look part of overcoming triumph and abuse is having your house in order so these are aspects of having quote unquote your house in order that you need you need cash flow you need to focus on this this is what i do these are other experts i can bring on i'm sure that you've got a vast network of really successful people that you've come across that'd be willing to come on and have a conversation about what they do and why they do it i also think that you know authors are good people to have on people that have written i'm willing to bet we should we ask you Brianna? could probably get her because she doesn't even have an audiobook yet i'm willing to bet this is some small time author that probably doesn't even have a big social media following because i've tried to find her and i can't really yeah you've looked her up on instagram and facebook and yeah. twitter and all that yeah i mean i know you're not a big fan of twitter but i deactivated my account because okay fuck twitter, but. <laughs> yeah i've had quite a few authors on um yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think maybe when you're like, hey, what what's burrowing in there? So I'm just trying to think like, okay, so now where is the show going? You get to decide. Yeah, I we're get on to your decide. train. I just kind of wanted to make the announcement, you know, with yeah. this episode, with it being the fiftieth episode too. I never thought I'd make it to this point. I shouldn't say never thought. That's so extreme. Um, but yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna turn a bit. We could listen to your podcast for over two full days and not get every episode there you go two fold that's a lot of talking i know it is although i try not to do a lot of the talking i do the listening part i've noticed i've had a lot of people tell me that that they enjoy that about the podcast too that you let your guests talk yeah that i'm not interrupting or waiting for my next line or you know what i mean or people that have been on the show will say the same thing. I've been on shows where people are interrupting me and it's like they didn't even hear what I just said, you know. Yeah, I so like that too. The, the art of listening. I've studied that a lot. Um, what's his name? David Letterman has a show on Netflix right now. 
Yeah, my next guest my is. Ne- yeah, my next guest is. And so I've watched him a lot to see, like, how does he... Because he's captivating to me, and he doesn't talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just listens and chimes in, and he's real. You know, chimes in when it's necessary. He's so. one of the best. Yeah. I don't know. Map it out. Map out what you're... <clears throat> what you want just use it as your dream like your dream team man just go for the who you want who do you want to talk to who do you want to network with yeah there it is There's I, want, I want to talk to dave matthews really mm-hmm. reach out to him okay dude i'm telling you it works you never know yeah do you know who this is not dave matthews by any means but i'll give you two success story examples like this to encourage you to do that okay so the very first celebrity that I interviewed was Jerry Ferrara. He played Turtle on the show Entourage. Oh, yeah. Little Turtle, you know? Yeah. Um, it was right when the Entourage movie was coming out, and I was, I've was i been a big fan of that show forever. It's like dude's version of Sex and City, you know, a bunch of, it's so <laughs> yeah. great. And I, I created a little minute and a half video, filmed in my office, I tweeted him a link to it and said, this is 90 seconds. Please watch it. And it said, yo man, Jerry, I'm a big fan. I've got this podcast. I'd love it. If you came on, it'd be great. You know, we could help promote the show. I don't have a massive following, but it'd be a fun conversation. I'd let, you know, this is what I want to talk about. Additionally, you're new in the podcast game as well. I want to hear your experience of how you've been able to transcend the challenges of celebrity with all that. And come on. And, uh, his, his wife at the time reached out to me. She's like, yeah, we'll do it. And I go, really? And we ended up recording that episode on my 40th birthday. So I got to hang out for an hour and a half with Jerry Ferrara. For he folks. came here. No, no, no. It was just over oh. It was over uh, Skype at the time. I was but, like, that's cool. And same with uh, my other, my, my most successful episode to date of my entire podcast catalog, all the ones that I've ever done, was when I interviewed Mark Manson, the guy that wrote the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, really? Yeah. I had read that book hmm. and I was so intrigued by what he'd said because it's kind of a it's kind of a a, a whoopsie do like he's like don't give a fuck about anything except for everything like he says it's not about not caring it's about only caring about what's really important and being able to do this and he's got this it's, the book's great if you haven't read it and i just reached out to him on his facebook page i messaged him and i spoke like he wrote I called him a dipshit. I go, what's up, dipshit? Can I, would you be on my podcast? I love your book. The thing is fucking badass. Like I just talk because he, he writes in that sort of really irreverent style. And he sent me back an LOL. He's like, yeah, we can hook it up. Like, so it was like, I, I met him where he was, so to speak. And he ended up doing it. You want Dave Matthews? You have no idea. You can get Dave Matthews. I guarantee it. That would be awesome. Just write a sentence with a bunch of his song lyrics on it. Be like, hey, there's this space between when I'm... <laughs> When I'm on Gray Street and when I... And the ants are marching. And when the ants are marching... (laughs) And Tripping Billy comes on. No. There it is. You got it. You got it. I'm I'm, I'm destroying it. You're you're, you're pulling it out. Or Oprah. Let's let's shoot for the moon. Let's go for Oprah. That'd be cool to have Oprah on. I always thought I would be interviewed one day by Oprah. You're not dead yet. Yeah, true that. Yeah. (laughs) True that. Okay. (laughs) I'm still alive. No, Oprah's... She's... She's amazing, man. She's And she's come through some abuse in her life. Yeah, some horrible abuse. Yeah. And what she's built with like the whole masterclass thing she does and like own and all that. Like it's been a I love I love her work for the most part. That would be the ultimate. I'm like, oh, let me interview Oprah. You know how many people ask to interview Oprah a lot. Well, you know how they do that, right? How? They pay him. Oh. So yeah. to getting an getting an organic interview is a lot harder. I learned that actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna flex a little bit. I learned that from Lewis Howes. Who's Lewis Howes? <laughs> exactly. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he has that show, The School of Greatness. The podcast, The School of Greatness. He's been on Ellen a bunch of times. He interviewed Kobe Bryant before he died. Um, his podcast is ridiculously successful. Um, but uh, yeah, he's got, he's figured out the analytics and uh, traffic game so much and how he monetizes his podcast with his products and services uh-huh. that he's basically figured out a number that he can pay a guest based off of what he knows the downloads and purchases of his products will bring from having that guest on his show. And so he'll work a deal. So I think he paid Kobe Bryant like 80 grand for a 45 minute interview. Wow. 
and then he made 150 on it. Well, my budget is negative uh, $100 per episode. Okay, so negative 100 what you're going to want to do. <laughs> see, two negatives make a positive. So you're going to be in the black if you do this right. <laughs> yeah. But my point of not isn't to discourage you. It's like just to reach out. Go for the no, man. Whoever I'm yeah. telling you, make okay. I'm gonna put my coach hat on for a second. Okay. Tiff. Make a dream list. Your dream team. Who do you want to talk to? You have a podcast with 50 episodes. Mm-hmm. It's no slouch. It's got a great look. You're a professional. You're accomplished at what you do. If you spin it right, there's no reason why somebody wouldn't be willing to give you a shot. So make your dream, man. And you never know by having that intention, which let's be honest, intentions are an emotional pull. Intentions are, uh, I really want that. People don't understand when they say set your intention. It means like, I want that. Not this, well, I intend, like it's most people don't get it. And so that's why they don't get what they think they intended. Yeah. And then they call it a bullshit thing. It's not like, so set your emotional, like just, uh, I'd love to talk to Dave Matthews. And then just look for ways to find him. Yeah. I mean, I'm a mega fan. So Stock I might, him on his tour bus? <laughs> I like, might be like, the, so there's a funny story, actually, is I went to a show. I've been to like 50 plus Dave Matthews shows. I, I am a fan. Anyhow, I'm like, if I ever met Dave Matthews, I would say this, this, and this. And then I was from me to you to him. He was riding his bike and, you know, around the tour bus or whatever. And I was like, my friend was with me and I go, it's duh, I couldn't even say Dave. Like, I got so tongue-tied. You're starstruck. Huh? Yeah, and then he came back around, and I was like, okay, this is my chance. This is my chance. Even if I'm just like, I love you, Dave. And I just was like, duh. Like, I just, it was like you want to talk or you want to run in a dream, and you can't. So I should probably not have Dave Matthews on. No, that's exactly why you should. So you can tell him that story, and he'd get a kick out of it. Oh, sweetie, baby. I just say that about right I mean, I also want to sit on his face, so there's that. So it should not be in person. Okay, now we digress. Hey, intentions are real, dude. You want it? You want a Dave to, you know, go motorboat in your butt cheeks? Whatever, man. He's, like he's married. He's taken. You act like that matters to a lot of those guys. Jokes. These are the jokes. These people. are the jokes, folks. Who else? So Dave Matthews. Who else? Oprah. Like I said, I'd love to have Oprah. Okay. Who else? Um, yeah, I don't know. I have to think about that. Jennifer Aniston. These are all celebrity people. Well, I will say this. If there's any comedians on that list, I can help you. Kevin Hart. I love Kevin Hart. Who doesn't love Kevin Hart? Uh, yeah, he's, see. He's, well, no. One of my one of my really, really good buddies um, is a guy named Arvin Mitchell, and he's... He's on that Studio C show and BYU TV. He's a oh local yeah, comic. he was just the one that I saw live, right? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he was the closer of that that one. Um, he knows Kevin, and he knows a lot of those guys around Kevin, and a lot of that you know the the black comedy sort of group. So it's not yeah. out of the question. Yeah, I'm sure they have something they want to speak loud about, right? Kevin Hart has something. Let me tell you what, people. Yeah. <laughs> I do a horrible Kevin Hart impression, but he's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I, I should definitely shoot for the moon. You should. Why not? See, this is one of those things about your identity. This is right now, in real time, in this moment, you talking yourself down. Ah, Dave Matthews wouldn't want to talk to me. No, I'm not saying he wouldn't want to talk to me. I'm saying I couldn't talk to him. I'd get tongue-tied. Even worse. That's yeah. even worse. Yeah. Because you're saying he's nice enough. I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to hang. You know who I'd love to have too is uh, had me twice. Wait, what? Well, besides you, <laughs> that Amanda gal that saying that wrote that po- or read that poem at the inauguration for Biden this last little go around. Oh yeah, that she's a uh, the young girl, right? Yeah, the, Amanda. Why am I, her name's escaping me? Yeah, I don't know who that is. I, I would I love is, to sit down and pick her brain and like reach out to her. I'm sure that she you know she. You'd be surprised. So here's here's something that I'll, I'll pass this along to you. When I was doing my my interview style podcast more, I had a rule when it comes to trying to get celebrities or influential type people. I called it the almost there or the has beens. If you get people that are almost famous or people that were and nobody's thinking about now, they're the easiest to say yes. I think that's why I got Jerry Ferrara, not to be disrespectful to him, but like he was some B-level actor on a, you know, HBO comedy. So you're saying I should ask Roma Downey? Sure. (laughs) 
Just kidding. She can touch you like an angel. <laughs> I'm sure she's very sweet. Aww. And and on top of that, I will say this as well. Um, I Jimmy Fallon gave a really interesting story when he started the Tonight Show about his fear of. Uh, actually, it wasn't when he started the Tonight Show. It was when he started Late Night with Jimmy Fallon when he first got into late night TV. And he's been friends with Jay Leno for a long time. And at the time. I can't remember if it was Conan that was the short stint of Tonight Show, but it was most likely in that kind of Jay, Jay Leno era of the Tonight Show before Jimmy took over. And Jimmy's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I need to get celebrities. Like, I need to get all these people. And Jay's like, okay, yes, but especially at the beginning, get good people you enjoy talking to. People will enjoy a conversation with somebody that might not be as famous way more than a boring, stiff chat with somebody that's super famous. Yeah. So be about the conversation. So, and I know I've encouraged you all the time to like, be like, you know, have a onboarding process when you talk, so talk to people before. Yes. On, on, on that that has helped tremendously. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Not that I haven't loved every guest, but it has helped. I know it's like kids. You have your favorites, but they'll never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do have my favorite episodes. So anyway, I'm, 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 uh, yeah. I'm excited to see where this is goes. I, I mean, naturally, I love what you're doing and here to support however I can. Well, thank you. Thank you for letting me come to your studio. We're not recording in my studio today. Yeah. We're recording in yours. It's easier now this way. Now it's out. The cat's out of the bag. Speak loud. We're about to talk about some different issues. Yeah. It's going to be even louder and even speakier. So it's yeah. <laughs> and more triumph. There's more triumph. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love triumph. Okay. It's your show, dude. I think uh, with that being said, tune in. Stay tuned. Thank you so much. As always, be the change you wish to see in this world. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Speak Loud. If this message resonated with you, please feel free to share it with anyone you feel use the support to find out more information about share our movement and to join the cause please visit sharethemovement.org until next time